What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us here in Church of the Corn. Drake, what's going on, my man? How are you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. It's been a great weekend, wonderful weather. Uh, we get game three of the Cold World Series championship tomorrow night after a big, big game from Florida today. And uh, it's been a good weekend. How about you? Uh, you know, it's, it's been good. I've been busy with house shit today. What what the end, uh, score end up being? Was it like 15 to 3 or something like that f- for Florida? Something like that. They they went bananas. Yeah. What, what have you been doing on the house? Ah, uh, man, you know, just old man shit like cutting the grass, power washing shit. Like, you know, everything that's a, a Midwest uh, white guy's fantasy for the weekend. Nothing yeah, major. Well, once you get into smoking meats, it's game over, buddy. Uh, I've I've been on that bandwagon for about a decade now, so I actually smoked some hamburgers today. So, you know, very very low uh, low maintenance shit to to do, but uh, yeah, you know, it is what it is. But uh, I got a question for you, Drake. I asked this question actually. I, I just left the gym earlier today, and I was driving to pick up my groceries from Hy-Vee, and I was sitting there waiting for my shit, and then this question popped up into my head, and it's it was one it was my tweet earlier. And and it, it was, you know, that just kind of comparing the demeanor of this staff to the demeanor of the old staff. And we're not obviously comparing anything coaching wise or anything done on the field as of yet, because it's impossible to compare rule what he's done on the field to Frost, what he's done on the field here. But it just seems like they genuinely enjoy being in Lincoln and, and building, building a team in the process. You know, it seems like they genuinely enjoy what's going on down there what, yeah. what, what's your kind of read on 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 that statement i guess or oh, or i guess man. what's it there's a lot i know so and i'm not trying to bash the old staff either no no and i'm gonna i'm gonna loop this into two two even two staffs before this one um i guess three i'm gonna i'm gonna take it back across the last four staffs with my answer um that's like that's like your normal answers you know you just kind of loop everything together (laughs) so i i think it is i'm not gonna sit here and say matt rule and company aren't results driven right they're not result they're not not results oriented and i think we need to when we talk about what's going on right now and how well how much they are showing the hype and by and you know aggressively building the hype reminds me a lot of the Mike Riley staff. They're out there on social media. They're active. Um, they're, they are trying to get us excited. Right. And that's definitely different from frost. Definitely different from Bo. Um, this staff seems like they really enjoy talking to the media and being out in the public eye. Obviously that wasn't necessarily Bo's MO. If I had to pick the perfect setup for Nebraska football, it it would be these guys. It would be these guys from a demeanor aspect. Um, you know, I, I've admitted it a hundred times. I wasn't totally sold on Rule in the beginning, and and now I am. Uh, but Rule, Rule in the staff that he has built is exactly what this program needs. They have they have to capitalize on the hype that they have early on to to really get this thing going. But at the same time, they have to be results driven like Bo was. And historically, this staff has been. 
So I, I would say, you know, without knowing it until now, we were always kind of looking for a happy medium between Bo and Mike Riley. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a good way of putting it. It, it just seems like, you know, um, and, and the process is going to suck at some point. Like, it, it there, it's not always going to be rainbows and butterflies. Like, it is going to suck. And I feel like you, you've seen a little bit of that with, you know, some of the attrition from when the staff took over earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that happens with, with staff transition. I think you'll see pro- – I don't know if you'll see any more of it after, you know, this year really, except for when they get on the field and start playing the game. Like, obviously, they've won the offseason so far. We know that. But how how are people going to look at this staff? And I had some people, you know, give me some kind of kickback on, you know, what I had mentioned about the staff seeming to be happy about it, wanting to be here and everything. How are they going to do if they are Owen? Got it. There's not a fucking way in hell that they start 0-3. But let's say they do start 0-3 for some fucking crazy reason. Do you think the same positivity still flies with this fan base at that point? Yeah. Uh, with the fan base, no. With the staff, yeah. I think the staff remains optimism remains optimistic. I don't think you're going to get a lot of the uh, non-answer answers we used to get. Um, they seem to be pretty you know, open with what's going on and how things are working out. Um, I, I don't know, man, it's so different. It's really hard to uh, throw it all together. It is. And, and, and part of the reason I also brought the whole fucking thing up about, about the, uh, the staff, you know, seeming to want to be here is, is one of the things that was brought up like when Frost was very early in his tenure and he basically mentioned that his his family was off limits, and I understand that you, in media and being a head coach, you got to have boundaries. That that's common sense. You got to have boundaries, but flat out coming out and saying that you know they're completely off limits, and then never being seen at at really anything involving the school or involving the program outside of your clips, like to me that shows that rule may be a little bit more bought in, um, but also maybe that's just him showing his presence. Yeah, I maybe not heard brought in at first, but you know, at least showing his presence around the program. He he wants to be a part of the community, no doubt. I mean, I know he's been up here to a couple bars in Omaha State till closing time without having a drink, and he says bye to every person he talked to and mentions their name on the way out. Like he he wants to immerse himself in this community, and I think that I think that's a big difference. Um, Scott Frost for, for everything that he had done great previously before coming here to an extent had, in my opinion, um, some bitterness to the fan base as a whole because of things that he went through while he was here. And I don't know that he really ever wanted to be immersed in the community. All right. So let me ask you something. Is it fair to say that one former coach wanted to be admired by the fan base and not so much immersed by the fan base. And one current head coach is more happy to be immersed rather than admired. I want to say yes, but I don't, I don't know that that was necessarily the previous head coaches um, thought process behind it either. Um, But from the outside looking in, I would say yes. Yeah, that was just kind of 
just kind of after you know what we were talking about, it it almost seemed like uh, Frost kind of felt like he walked on wire because he did for a lot of us. You know, it's the hometown kid coming back home. Uh, it was supposed to work. It obviously didn't for four years or what have you. But you know, it it is what it is. Just kind of a thought I had earlier. Um, it's what uh, have you gotten a chance to follow the 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 recruiting weekend? I'm sure you've at least seen a little bit of it. The guys, yeah, some the guy. of it. Okay. So what are, uh, I don't know what the hell they're doing on these official visits to get these kids to flip interest, but they've had some pretty massive flips this weekend. We've talked about Carter Nelson before on here. Um, you know, I, he, he's not a ready-made prospect. So that's not why I'm excited about him. I think he's about two years away from making a major impact on the field. I think it just shows a little bit more, if they get him, I believe they've locked on the top four prospects in Nebraska, I thought. It was at least four of the top, maybe five or six or so. But they locked on a lot of the top prospects. Is that a result? Is there a question coming? There is, there is. Is it, is it a result of Danny Caitlin committing, having a quarterback being able to take take the lead of the class? I think that's a big part of it. Um, I think with Carter Nelson specifically, and, and maybe even Dave, Dave on Hall and some of these other guys that flipped, I think they knew, and probably through communication both with the staff and, and other recruits, that this class hinged so much on the quality of quarterback that they were going to get. And I think a lot of people were afraid that when they didn't get Dylan Riola, they weren't going to get, you know, a top end quarterback still. And I think that's what worried a lot of these recruits. I think a lot of these recruits were very interested anyways, um, but they know their class hinged on the signing of a quarterback and they wanted to know who we were going to get. And once you get Danny Kalen, like you said, and he's able to head the class and help peer recruit, um, and then he goes out and shows out like he did at the Elite 11 at camp. I, I think that is all tied together, yes. Yeah, and, and at one point I know I was on I was on the fence where I said Nebraska doesn't necessarily need to take a quarterback in the 24 class to make the class be a successful one, but it does seem like every school that's that's recruiting on a high level has that quarterback that is the leader of ever of that class. I mean, you see it at your uh, Georgia's that fuck. They got two high quarterbacks there, yeah. but your Ohio States, you know, your Michigan's you're seeing these, these quarterbacks leading the class. So maybe it's a little bit more important than I originally thought. I'm just kind of shocked at how well they are recruiting, which is realistically a top 15 level right now. Yeah. You know, I'll be honest. I, I didn't, after Dylan Raiola committed to Georgia, I didn't personally personally think this class had to get a quarterback. I didn't think it was necessary. But then on top of the Dylan Raiola commitment to Georgia, you have some attrition losing uh, Casey Thompson, Logan Smothers. And now, you know, you're one, potentially one injury away from the quarterback of your class having to play. And, you know, we all know wide receivers, running backs, tight ends, um, they tend to see the field a little bit earlier than than 
quarter quarterbacks for a variety of reasons. One, you only have one quarterback play at a time, but um, that 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 quarterback being in the first full class allows them to start rebuilding together. And I think, and I've ne- I've never necessarily felt this way. I never really thought this too too deeply into it, but I think that is in your first full class as a new head coach, I think that needs to be your number one priority is who that quarterback is, despite any other problems you have within that roster, whether that's offensive line, defensive line. We know those are the two most important position rooms to go get, but the most important position to get that class and get that momentum going is that quarterback. And I I believe that now after what we're seeing. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, yeah. I felt the same way after Ryola. Actually, yeah, after Ryle, I think it was after Ryle. After they didn't get him, I said, you know, they don't necessarily need to take one. If they get one, it's a plus. And what Kalen, Kalen didn't even fall into their lap. I mean, he's a Nebraska kid wanting to be there the entire time. It just didn't fall his way. I, I, I wonder realistically, because like I said, they're they're probably a top fifteen class right now. Because I still think I think they get Carter after this weekend. I think Lacey's probably going to flip as well. I wonder if they can sink bricks, if they can get to that top 10 level, which is realistically where they're going to need to be if they want to be. I know this is down the line talk, but if you want to be a playoff team, you have to recruit at a top 10, top 12 level every year. Yeah. And, you know, we, we've talked about it. We said, you know, maybe quarterback isn't that important because, we have those offensive line issues, so we got to get that fixed before we can worry about who's playing behind them. But in reality, it, you need that quarterback. And maybe we were trying to be glass half full or overly optimistic, but um, I think this class, this staff, obviously knows more than we do. That's why they get paid to do it, and we we hop on the internet and talk about it. Um, I, I'm surprised how much how much Danny Kalen has been able to to turn around this class and keep that momentum going. Um, I didn't think there was a shot at keeping that momentum going, honestly. No, I didn't either. It, it seemed like once the uh, Riola stuff hit, and I, I don't think it was a secret because it seemed like maybe the week leading up to that, you started seeing things from, I believe Dan Orlowski was uh, one of the ones who started leaking shit. And, you know, there was, there was some talk about that, that he committed to George already. And it was a um, silent commit or what have you. And it, it seemed like when that happened, that Nebraska did actually lose some steam on the recruiting trail, which that's one thing they haven't seemed to have done. Um, that seemed like a little bit of a gut punch, but they were able to rebound shit within the weekend to get Kalen signed pretty much the next week. I'm, I'm just shocked at how resilient like three they are. days. Yeah. I was just, it, it's, it, it almost seemed like the next day they had the workout set up and ready to go. I'm just kind of shocked at, at the resiliency of the staff um, and, and their ability to, if plan a doesn't work, they've got plan B and plan C ready to go. It's, it's kind of refreshing. yeah, you know, I was I was gonna say it's very obvious that they have contingency plans built in. Um, yeah, I don't want to call Danny Kalen a second choice, but he knew that's what he was. Um, there's I think there's it's one A one B, but yeah, I agree with you. 
there, there's an article out there that's a rule told them straight up like we are very interested in you but we have somebody ahead of you it, if he doesn't choose us we're we're calling you again um and i think that honesty is what allowed this to transpire the way it did um i don't think it, i if you don't have that conversation early on in that process you don't have a shot at a kid like danny kalen he feels disrespected um, and in a way, you should if, if they're not open and honest with you, right? Well, that's what I was going to say. If they're not telling you the upfront, honest truth about that, and you find out through the back channels, like I would feel like that's a slap in the face if that wasn't upfront and, you know, right. from the get go. Exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, I think uh, they, they could not have handled that situation better than what they did with Kalen and, and Ryola. Is it crazy to you? I'm going to flip this back to you. Is it crazier to you at how well they've been able to, you know, pivot and go another way on certain kids um, without having 300 offers out, all those non-committables? Honestly, it does because that's almost what we were kind of um, thought to oh. believe is you, you've got to have 500 offers out there at every position because how, how else do you know what's out there? and. And, and if you've done your homework on players and you've got relationships and different things like that, man, it, it's crazy how easy it is to pivot from one rejection to, to a, to someone, you know, accepting that, that scholarship offer. And it, like I said, yeah. it, it's, it's been refreshing to see because it feels like that's what a CEO of a company would do is you have contingency plans and it just didn't feel like that under frost. It felt like if you lost out on a guy, I mean, the world was about to implode because you didn't have anything else there. And, and I think losing certain guys to their transfer portal, like uh, Rodgers being one, and uh, I think Jordan White was another one that went up to Oregon, like losing those two defensive linemen last year, it seemed like the world was collapsing once that happened because there was no contingency plan there. Yeah, 100%. So it, it's been refreshing to see. Um, it, it's been cool with to see what they've done down there. Um, I actually saw a picture that they have, uh, or Burt Kreischer took a yeah, picture with, with everyone down there. Uh, did you get, you get, I don't know if you were a big movie guy or not, but that movie, the machine, if you haven't gotten a chance uh, to see it, I would highly recommend it. I need to go see that. Funny um, as hell. It's I've it's, seen, I've personally seen Burt live two times, maybe three. I don't yep. remember. Actually, he's in Lincoln tonight, too. We wanted to go see him, but uh, we're old fucks, and there's absolutely no way I'm staying out past 10 p.m. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, no, I I love Bert. Bert's great. Um, I actually saw I saw two shows on the same tour, so I saw the same show twice on accident. But That uh, shit happens. One of, one of them was him filming his Netflix special here, so I'm cool with it. I was going to say, yeah, um, that's the crazy thing is he actually did shoot a special here. Yeah, we went, I think we went opening night. Um, question for you. Are you, I don't know if confused is the right word, but that's what I'm going to use. <laughs> Always. Are you Are you confused with how this Davon Hall situation shook out? All of a sudden we hear <laughs> that they're not really interested in him, and then they are interested. I, I, What's yeah. your read here? Dude, I was so goddamn confused with that whole situation because here's the thing. As soon as we went from the 23 class to the 24 class, Hall was one of the guys I was like at receiver, especially in the in the in the metro area, 
that's the one guy that you have to get. Like he's a four star. He's a six foot two, one hundred ninety pound kid at the time. Kid can put up some numbers. Like he's a pretty damn good athlete. Reminds me a lot of Betts um, previously. But then you know you didn't really hear anything about it. You never seen him take a trip to to Lincoln. You seen him taking trips to other places: Penn State, Tennessee, um, Kansas State. You know you seen him all over the place, and and you hear that Nebraska decided to walk away from the offer and kind of pull the offer. And I was like, all right, well, that's strange. Uh, even uh, DB had, had, you know, put some, or I, I commented on one of my things and he was like, you know, they're not necessarily a package deal. McMorris, Hall and Kalen. I kind of thought they would have been, um, you know, it was after, let's see, they pulled the offer. He went to Kansas state and then it seemed like everything heated back up again which ended up working out well for Nebraska. But I, I honestly could not make heads or tails of the situation. Um, it, it seemed like, I don't want to say it seemed like maybe he was waiting for an offer that never showed, but maybe he was getting frustrated with the way a lot of the schools were kind of slow playing him into mm-hmm. a scholarship. That's kind of the only thing I could think of on why it went cold and then heated up so quickly again. Yeah. It's not like he's not talented. Like the kid has a shit ton of talent. It's just it almost seems like at one point he was Nebraska was, you know, a second or a third option for him, and he told the staff that like, hey, if I don't get a scholarship from X school, I'll come play for you. And the staff just basically kind of told him, no, it, you you got to want to be here. We're not a fallback. And then you know he got frustrated. Um, with whatever was going out there and give the call, the staff a call back. And I was like, okay, I, I want to be here. Well, and that was one of the uh, big things. And I don't, obviously we don't know that that's what happened, but looking, looking at it from the outside in, that's, that's how I read it. Yeah. I mean, if I was going to read the tea leaves, I think the same thing. I mean, I, I heard one of the offers he was waiting on was maybe a Tennessee offer to come in. I don't know if it actually did. I, I didn't look that far into it. Um, but I know he did go on a visit to Kansas State. And, you know, I don't know what happened on that visit, like I said, but then it seemed like things seemed to heat back up. But going back to what you said about Rule, he wants guys that want to be here. He doesn't – it's something that DB says, falling in love. You know, you want guys that fall in love with football, not fall in love with getting recruited. Now, while the staff is going to recruit their asses off and get these guys, I think that's a huge thing that we're seeing that's been different. Um, not only are these guys getting attention on social media, but they've got some talented football players on that roster that they've recruited in short time. Mm-hmm. Do you think Matt Rule is a better recruiter than Scott Frost? Yes. Good. I do too. Sorry, I was drinking water. Um, no, you're good. Is he a – because I've got – I'm, I think I know where Nebraska should be as a program and what they should be happy with. I think Nebraska. I should, should... I should add a caveat to that, though. Okay. I think he's a better recruiter than Scott Frost as a Power Five head coach. I think Scott was, I mean, before he went to UCF, he was climbing up coaching boards for, you know, next offensive coordinator. Um, he, he was a dynamite position coach at Oregon with the wide receivers. The guy, you you don't do as well as he did at Oregon without being able to recruit. 
Um, I, I think I think there's a place for Scott Frost in football. I think he he is a dynamic recruiter when he's not in charge of the whole show. And that's not to say that he can't ever get there. Um, I, he took the Nebraska job too soon. It was given to him too soon. He just wasn't ready. And because he wasn't ready, it all fell fell apart, including the, the most important part for a program like Nebraska is your ability to recruit. There's evidence out there that Scott Frost can recruit and recruit at a high level. So this isn't to say that Scott can't recruit. I just think Matt Rule is more polished and ready to go right now than Scott Frost was when he walked through the door five years ago. That's fair. So, so, and the main reason I asked the question, is Matt Rule a better recruiter than Scott Frost, is I think yearly Nebraska should be a, a – the goal should be division title every single year. Now, obviously, are they there right now? No, they're not. But I feel like – well, actually, North, since there's no more divisions, I think they should be within the top five teams every season in the Big Ten. I don't feel like that's crazy to ask. My no. question is, do you think Matt Rule can re- keep up the recruiting prowess to keep them there? Because where they're at right now with this class, they are in that range where they should be a top five team in the Big Ten. If he wins, yes. But if you don't win, no. Um, he has to win and he has to win early. So that's my question. Does does he win early? Because I don't, I don't think you're one – is going to be a, uh, you know, an, it's not going to be a 10 or 12 win season. I think year no. one, you, you got to be happy with anywhere between five, I'd say low end four, high end eight games this year, because you've, you've got a developmental roster that you've got to fix a lot of depth problems with right now. Yeah, he gets two years in that four to seven win range before he has to get to eight. Um, and I, I think eight is that magic number to stay in that, in that range for recruiting rankings. Um, but I mean, man, I, I almost think in the big 10 now, the new version of the big 10, that's going to have 16 teams for, for five years. He, he just has to be in the top eight. Um, you know, Penn state's got you right now. Wisconsin is going – I think Wisconsin's going to be ahead of Nebraska for a couple of years just because they weren't as far behind. And Luke Fickle can recruit. Um, obviously, you have Ohio State, Michigan. You have Penn State, USC. Um, you know, Chip Kelly finally seems to have gotten UCLA going. So I I, I think you got to be in that top eight. Um, with that being said, I, I think Rule can easily get to that top five i think rule has every bit of business competing with ohio state michigan penn state usc those are the those are the teams that i think have a leg up when it comes to recruiting on nebraska right now yeah those are those are the big dogs that and those have been the most successful teams i'll I'll say in their conference because technically usc hasn't been in the big 10 yet so in their conferences yeah those have been the most successful teams and they've done it by having an established system by having a coach that knows what they want to do and recruiting toward it. That's the only way to I, do it. I will also add, though, that Penn State and USC both 
have had periods of time where they were recruiting at a very high level and still not winning to theoretically maintain that. So um, maybe Rule can be that guy that doesn't win 10, 11, 12 games and still continues to recruit in the top 15 of the country. I don't know. It's been so long since we've done that. It has been. Um, and it, to me, it's even more fucking wild that they're doing this with so little um, – so little results in front of them. Like they've got nothing that says that any of this is going to work, which I understand completely, but I mean, to still recruit a top 15 class with no tangible results, it's it's impressive. Um, I don't know what they're, what they're, what they're pushing, but they're pushing something good. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Uh, To say that I'm blown away by the staff is, is an understatement. So, Drake, I got another question. I was thinking about this earlier. If I give you, for the rebuild at Nebraska, if I give you the Temple special where Nebraska goes 2-10 and this year, 6-6 and the year after, and then 10-4 and 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 then 10-3, and do you take that over or a roll of the dice on the next four seasons? I want the roll of the dice. That's where I'm at, too. I I can't stomach a – Two and ten season to get to a six and six season, and I don't think the floor for Nebraska is two and ten. Uh, no. I, still, I would say it's. I've shifted a little bit. I, I think it's. I I said three and nine. I'll go four and eight is the floor. I still think the ceiling is nine and three. Obviously, that everything absolutely has to go right, but it, I feel like some more of these freshmen that I didn't think we're going to have a. Um, spot this season on the on the on the playing roster. I think there may be some more freshmen than I originally thought are going to be seeing some time this fall. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot more out of the wide receivers, specifically um, those young defensive players. They they look very talented, um, and you know with the depth issues, it's not going to be terribly hard for them to crack the depth chart either. Yeah, that's. I think that's the thing that, while it sucks right now, I might be getting a little bit more excited with certain players, especially some of the ones that got on campus early, to kind of see an an, uh, an early impact out of them. I, I really think, and I, someone shot me a message about this, am I crazy for thinking uh, Prince Will Uman Mielin is going to be like top four in sacks on that defense this year? True freshman. Am I crazy for thinking that? Um, Top I think there's a possibility. I don't know that that's what happens. I feel like I want to put money on that because I just feel like it happens. I don't know why, but that kid from the spring game, and not only that, but his brothers, as true freshmen, had pretty big impacts at their schools, especially Florida, like, Kid was a pass rushing specialist. I feel like Prince Prince Will can do the exact same thing and give that defense the edge rusher it's been needing since maybe Randy Gregory. I feel like that's fair. Yeah, I'd say so. I, I think he's going to play the run a lot better, um, but I feel like Prince Will gives them that edge rusher they need. Uh, and then uh, I think it was 24-7 put out. It was Prince Will and then Cameron Lenhart is two freshmen to really be on the lookout on the defensive side for Nebraska. I'm, I'm pretty happy to hear that. 
I just I just wonder if because I still feel like that that wide receiver room needs like a breakout star. I feel like they need yeah. someone from that freshman class to kind of really separate there and stand out. I just don't know who it is. I wonder if it would be like a Jaden Doss or even a – I feel like Demetrius Bell's a little bit too small, but I don't know. I, I, I just really feel like they need someone from this freshman class to kind of be a, a, a field spreader or just someone to put some fear in the defense, you know, down the field. Well, I mean – you got you got that kid out of Lincoln named Malachi Coleman, who could potentially do it. Yeah, were you on the? Were you the one that said that you thought Malachi was going to play as a freshman or get some meaningful snaps as freshman, or was that someone else? That was you, actually. Was that me? Shit. Okay. Yeah. I, I thought it was you for some reason, and uh, you know how my uh, memory is. No, i I think I think there's a spot for him. Um, does he get it? I I don't know. Um, I would, I would love to say no, and not because I don't want to see him out there, but because I don't, the way the wide receiver room is constructed right now, theoretically, there shouldn't be room for him to, to be on the field and make a huge impact. Um, now if he does, then great. Like I would much rather be surprised by it than you know, looking for it up front. That makes sense. Yeah. I, I I feel like that's how you should look at a lot of freshmen is you just want to show up, surprise us, and then show up on, uh, on game day as one of the starters. And then we're all happy about it rather than, you know, hoping that that happens through mm-hmm. the entire off season. I, I got really one more question for you, Drake. And then I think that's, that's, that's all I got for the day. Um, All right. And it's kind of about the Bellevue West thing and then a lot of local prospects here. What's uh, what, if anything, are some of the reasons that you think previous staffs have failed recruiting Omaha and kind of the metro area? Um, that's a that's a mixed bag. I think part of it is lack of effort. I think part of it is lack of success. Um, I think those are the two biggest parts of it. Um, I'm definitely on the lack of effort, but you know, I also think there's a huge part of this that, that we as Nebraskans ignore. And that's a lot of these kids that we're missing on don't have true ties to the university, which means they don't have a true love for the university. And we've always just kind of, a kind of assumed that, if you're from the state, you want to play here. And that's not always the case, but on top of that, like a huge part of the reason people always wanted to play as close to home, not necessarily just in the state of Nebraska is you wanted your family to be able to come watch you. And with the explosion of television and be able to watch any game you want on TV, that's not necessarily a a draw anymore. Um, Knowing that my parents could watch me on TV from anywhere in the country gives me more options to really explore where I want to play. Yeah. That's, you know, there, there were a lot of things in in old college football that, you know, guys made decisions on. And like you said, being able to have your family watch you was a big one. Um, Mm -hmm. I honestly think that it was, you have so many transplants in the Omaha Metro area now, just because of a lot of the giant companies that you've got here that, like you said, there's, there's no ties. 
to, to Lincoln mm-hmm. for, for a lot of these kids. So you almost have to recruit Omaha like like it's a um, it's an out, out of state. state. Too. Yeah, because once you just assume these guys are going to show up and commit to your school just because you're the one 50 miles down the road. I mean, you haven't had a winning season since 2016. What What's the real tie there? You haven't put guys in the league outside of a few. Like, there's not a big draw to come to the school. So I think that's that's one of the things that I am happiest with that this staff is doing is, is that they've recruited the local guys, whether it be a zero-star guy or a five-star guy, a four-star in um, uh, Carter. You know, they're recruiting these guys like they are out-of-state prospects. And that's what they said they're going to – roll out the red carpet for these guys. And, you know, mm-hmm. hopefully at that point, it's good enough to get the commitment. Yeah. I mean, efforts, obviously a big p- part of this too. Like we've said this about how we lost Texas and then moved to the big 10 that I, I know a lot of people disagree with me, but I firmly believe that was due to lack of effort. Um, and then, you know, I think I look at the way we've, put effort into Omaha the same way the athletic department has just kind of, you know, taken fans for granted and not only the product on the field, but the amenities in the stadium and things like that. And you can say the program has just kind of rested on its laurels and it expected to get what it wanted from, from the state. And that's not the case anymore. And that's why they're going to do some upgrades to the stadium. It sounds like, that's why we're seeing effort in into the Omaha area. There's a huge part of this where, you know, it just wasn't a folk. It wasn't a focal point of building this program. Yeah, it it, so it almost seemed like at, at one point good enough was just good enough when you weren't even hitting the bare minimums of what good enough should have been. But right, I mean, it kind of is what it is. Hopefully, we. Uh, yeah, hopefully we have some good stuff happening. Uh, this this uh, more good stuff this off season with uh, some hopefully commitments. We we're supposed to have a bunch today, but we didn't see shit come through. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, I'm wondering if we're going to see a bunch just this week with shit. You could almost have probably five this week, but it is what yeah, it is. Yeah, we'll see what happens. We should have a lot more to talk about next week. But Drake, uh, I think I'm good, brother. What about you? I'm good as well, man. You have a great night. Yeah, my camera shit out early in this one. But uh, thanks for joining (laughs) us here on Church of the Corn, everybody. Uh, Have a great night. We'll talk to you later. And uh, thanks, guys. Appreciate it.